Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is John T. I'm the youth worker at Ken's, and this is Abby. And um, we're going to be reading uh, from Job 32, 1 to 12 this morning. <clears throat> so these three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu, son of Barakal, the Buzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job and yet had condemned him. Now Elihu had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elihu, son of Barakal, the Buzite, said, I am young in years and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty, that gives them understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me. I too will tell you what I know. I waited while you spoke. I listened to your reasoning while you were searching for words. I gave you my full attention, but not one of you has proved Job wrong. None of you has answered his arguments. So, Lord, we pray this morning um, that we would listen to you and have open hearts, open ears to what you've put on Mackie's heart. Lord, we pray for Mackie that you would speak through him, be obedient to you and you would um, be with him right now. We praise you and we we love you this morning and yeah, ask that you would meet with us in Jesus' almighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, John Tinabi, for reading and for prayer. Um, we are in kind of this journey with the book of Job. And for those of you who have joined us uh, today and are not aware of what, what we've been doing, we've been going through the book of Job. And so far, we've been talking about the different characters in the book of Job. We've been talking about uh, uh, Job's friends who came to supposedly uh, comfort him. And um, last week, we talked a little bit about wisdom, and I'm going to stop on that slide a bit uh, more later on. And today, we um, are going to be looking at the fourth friend, Elihu. And um, he, he represents the younger generation of people who have got wisdom. Uh, normally, in an Eastern setup, you'd have the elderly, you'd have the the... the the, the, the older people who who would be the representatives of wisdom. And um, what happens in this scene is from chapters 32 to 37, we, we've got, um, I'm going to start sharing a screen. Uh, we've got this younger guy, Elihu, who comes and he's got something to say to Job. Um, and as we know, as we see it in the scriptures, is that he comes with that sense of anger and frustration. And he is angry and frustrated with Job, but also he's angry and frustrated with um, with the three friends, with um, Aliphaz, Bildad and Zophar. He's 
angry and frustrated with Job because so far he has seen that Job has tried to defend himself against all the wrongdoings and actually has come to that point of accusing God for doing wrong. He's upset and frustrated and angry with the three friends, with Aliphaz, Bildad and Zophar, because basically they have declared Job guilty without knowing anything on the background. They've just used conventional wisdom to say, you have sinned, you've caused wickedness, and therefore that sin and that wickedness has led you to the suffering that you're experiencing. And here comes Elihu on the scene. And um, commentators stand on different um, levels uh, of the debate with Elihu. And I think I would say Elihu is like the Marmite of the book of Job for commentators. There's commentators that really like him and like his attitude. And there's commentators that would put Elihu on the same um, level or in the same um, basket as Eliphaz, uh, Bildad and Zophar. And um, I've read the book of Job. I've read it this morning again, Elihu's speech. And I think I would fall um, on, on that group of people who believe that Elihu is different from Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar. And he is different in his understanding of what is going on. And he's different also in the way that he is approaching uh, Job's self-righteousness in all of this. And I, I want to stop um, in some of those areas today and as we share, as I share from God's word um, with you. Um, so we, we said that actually Job's 28 was that interlude uh, where, where um, the question is, is raised, where shall wisdom be found? And there was an element there that the chapter kind of led us to think that man is much more capable and very, very gifted and skilled to do a lot of things, but has not grasped yet that he cannot or he or she cannot unearth wisdom. And also in the attempts of mankind to exchange wisdom with the things that they have discovered, that's, that is not possible because the author and the revealer of wisdom is God himself. So why are we stopping at Elihu today? Why are we dealing with the book of Job just with this characters? Well, I want to suggest a few reasons why I would like for us to stop at Elihu today. First and foremost is that Elihu is given a good amount of space to be right to be expressing himself in the book of Job. Uh, the author of the book of Job gives him six chapters. There is at least, um, I mean, there is also conversations about how many speeches does Elihu have, uh, but I will fall under this that he's got four speeches, and there's four speeches that are uh, come together in this six chapters, and it's very interesting 
that what we see with Job in um, reaction to Elihu's um, challenges is what we don't see of him with, in response to the other three. So there is an an reaction which Job does not have. So I mean, Job does not protest here like he has done with um, his other three friends. Also, Elihu comes later on on the scene. So in one sense, he has followed the rules or he has followed the, the, the given um, context of let the elderly speak first. And what I like about Elihu is that in his youthful anger, he is preparing the way for the Lord to speak. Now, what you'll recognize, what I've done with the book of Job today, is that normally it would have been Job today, and then Elihu, and then we're going to be dealing with God. But I've brought Elihu just to follow on with the, uh, the, the rationale of the wisdom, and then we're going to be dealing with Job, and then with God in the book of Job. And it's very obvious here that Elihu is preparing Job uh, to hear from God or to, to see when God appears. And one th other thing that is um, very clear, what, which we'll see in the end of the book, but I just want, is worth mentioning now, is that Elihu is not condemned by God. God does not condemn Elihu in, in the end, but he, he's got something to say about Eliphaz, Bildad, and, and so far. So, um, as I said, in those six chapters, we will be, uh, if you take some time and read them today, um, there is this conversation about Job's complaints and Elihu's answers. So in one sense, uh, th there is a continuation of this uh, conversation where actually Elihu is quoting what Job has said. So in the first in the first speech um job is is complaining that um god is my enemy he has been very silent he has not responded to me and actually elihu said well that's not true god does speak and he gives two ways of uh, god showing his revelation to to us or to those days um, and it was God spoke through dreams and visions and uh, another eye-opener here is that God speaks to us through our pain have a look at chapter 33 so so Elihu is not holding back to, to say something that actually your expectations job and your your way of thinking about God is limited. And therefore, I'm coming here to you, Job, to say God is not silent. He speaks. He's not silenced. So the thing is, what do you do then with the question that what is this suffering teaching me? There is a commentator. Uh, actually, Tim Keller has said this, that sometimes you don't realize Jesus is all you need. 
until you realize that Jesus is all you have. God is not silent. What is this suffering teaching me? And Elihu totally believes in God. And, and he believes in God's grace, actually. If you see in chapter 33, verses 27 to 28, is that God gives us what we don't uh, deserve. That's God's grace. Then he carries on uh, quoting in chapter 34, uh, what Eli, what Job has said, that God is really, really unjust. And, and what he has, has done to me, it's really unfair. And Elihu, again, does not hold back to say that, no, God is just Elihu. He is the creator and we are his creatures. If he was unjust, he will cease to be God. But if God remains silent, this is not an opportunity for you to condemn him. In our suffering, we want justice in our own terms. But this is not the opportunity for Job, for me, to start slaying God. The tendency of Job that we see, and I think I can see it in myself, is that I want for God to operate on my own terms. And Elihu is calling Job to his senses, saying, that is not possible, but God is just. And the third speech and the others are kind of saying that actually in my suffering, wherever I am, God does not care. He does not care because I am innocent. I have not done anything wrong to deserve this. And, and because my behavior is so good, then I don't need to be deserve, I don't need to be treated like this. And what Elihu is saying to Job is, do you think that you can control God by your behavior? As we think of Elihu, and by all means, please, please do go back to the scriptures and have a look at chapter 32 to 37. These are uh, great opportunities for us to engage with this. And in the end of the day, I said the book of Job is a poetry. So it's it's really a hard read. Uh, do it with a good cup of coffee. Um, and do it when, 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 when you're less um, thinking and um, less um, engaged with other other stuff. And you can focus on this. But But there is some lessons that we can learn today from um, Elihu and I, I wanted to, to talk through some of those things uh, that I've been thinking about um, this week and, and just wanted to share them with you but, but one thing that is very very clear here is that Elihu fittingly 
prepared the way for God to speak. And whether I'm going through suffering myself or whether I'm helping somebody to go through suffering, the question that I need to ask myself through the book of Job and with the waiting of the friends and the hastiness of their input of what they thought was wrong is, am I fittingly, am I looking for ways to prepare the way for God to speak? I will never forget the opportunity that we as a family had when we lost Ruth's dad. And there was a, a small group of prayer, uh, of uh, people praying for, for, for us. But uh, the minister of that time, Mike Pierce, said, we will do the prayer for you guys. And we want for you to be focusing in worshipping God. And I, I, I'll never forget that because it was such a helpful um, comment, which actually allowed us and prepared me especially uh, to for God to speak, for God to reveal himself in power. And there was no um, minimizing or downgrading of pain and the, 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 the tragedy of uh, losing a loved one. But there was an encouragement and there was enhancement to be looking at God for this. And I, I want to encourage you today as well as you deal with family, friends, um, your children even, even with yourself. How are you fittingly preparing the way for God to speak through his word, through um, the revelation that we've got in the Lord Jesus Christ? We've, we we know it from the letter of Hebrews that in the past God spoke to us through the prophets, but now he has revealed himself in his son. And that is all we need. That is all we need. But Elihu, we can learn today, is that he prepared Job and the others. Uh, he prepared the way for God to speak. The other lesson that I want to, to stop here is that I don't know about you but I value the moments of my life when I have been so downhearted to the point of um, rejecting whatever I believed or the way that I have come to faith and rejecting God really to that point of being on the brink and thank goodness for friends have journeyed with me and have held my hand and have shown genuine concern in my suffering by not giving answers at all but by pointing me to God. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend who will show genuine concerns in our suffering is not going to give just wanting to give answers but is going to guide us and is going to help us so that we can be careful in what we say about god in our suffering and that is that is something that i can i can easily 
and go back to two or three moments in my life where if that friend wasn't there, I don't know what I would have done, but thank goodness for his provision uh, with, with surrounding me, those friends, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Um, the other lesson that we, we I want us to think a little bit about is that what do we do with our um, expectations? So this is more like a, a warning light to be careful with uh, actually um, what we say uh, about God and what we expect God to be doing um, in our lives, to be careful in what we say to God. And this is not to, to cotton wool the, the, the way and the pain of the suffering, but suffering is not uh, a card, uh, it's not um, a license for us to go and sin and say all sorts of things for God. And, and I think that's where those faithful friends come into this, this picture. So we need to weigh our expectations of God, but also we need to weigh well what we're saying. And this, again, is not, um, again, encouraging you to shut up. That's not the case. You know, look at the book of Psalms. But there is an element here that sometimes I can put my suffering and my pain and use it as a license to say all sorts of things which are not true of God. And the, the last lesson that I want to bring from Elihu this morning is that it's a great reminder of the Lord Jesus, who was truly an innocent sufferer. Isaiah chapter uh, 53, verse 7, reminds us of, the, of, of Messiah, who was going to be oppressed, was going to be afflicted, he was not going to open his mouth, but like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears, it's silent. So he opened not his mouth. Jesus had suffered. Jesus has suffered far more extremely than what Job or you and I have been going through. And in all of this, he was innocent. And what Job failed to do, Jesus succeeded. And he learned that. He, he learned obedience. Like a sheep, he did not open his mouth. I want for us to be thinking a little bit about these lessons um, as we go into our coffee groups. And um, just perhaps is an opportunity, not for a question, but an opportunity for us to share share. What are some of the steps that we have taken in the past to help prepare the way for God? What are some of the things that we can help one another in trying to um, come alongside people who are in, in um, really, really painful suffering situations that they would not say and not sin against God? And how can we help one another to remember the innocent uh, sufferer? I, I want to pray now and uh, finish um, 
sharing the screen. I want to pray for us all. And um, after I've prayed, uh, David and Eileen Garhill are going to come and lead us in the time of uh, prayers of intercession. So, Father God, we thank you for the book of Job and for the characters that are represented there and for the lessons that we can learn. But thank you that ultimately this book brings us to you, brings us and reminds us of your suffering. Thank you that you are the, the uh, person who has been suffered for our pain and for whatever we're going through. And thank you, Lord, that you went to the cross, not only for our suffering, but also for our triumph and victory over whatever we're going on in our lives, whatever is going on in our lives that is challenging. So, Lord, we look to you. We look to you and we pray that you provide for us everything that we need to remain worshipping you, to guard our hearts from sinning against you, and to, to enjoy and to immerse ourselves, as Richard reminded us earlier on, in your loving kindness, in your love and your faithfulness that endures forever. Lord, you have done this in the past with your church throughout this 20 centuries gone. Lord, would you do it for us today? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.